So uh, I've recently been on the job hunt. On uh, I quit my last job and I was like doing job interviews and trying to get in the uh, the mode, uh, the you know frame of reference of trying to uh, acquire work. It requires kind of a uh, a. A style of um, talking and um, presenting yourself that's like different than uh, than normal speak and uh, there's like a unique thing about me is that I have a lot of um, a lot of interest and I never kind of ended up specializing in in too much but I uh, I have like a wide variety of things that I've done that like kind of have led me to be uh, multidisciplinary, which I find is uh, kind of a good thing in this day and age. Uh, if you're specializing in something, then it better be worth you giving up your um, options to uh, do something else, uh, having the optionality to uh, be able to move from one career to another. Um, so I, uh, the way my life worked out is I kind of en ended up being a generalist of sorts where I know, um, I know about a lot of things, but I do not uh, really know specifically uh, one of those things, like intensely. Let's just uh, kind of uh, describe it like that. And so... I'm thinking, like, I got to have something that I can fall back on where if an interviewer um, kind of um, brings up or pushes on the fact that, hey, uh, you have a lot of different uh, jobs doing a lot of different things and um, cast casting that as like sort of a potential negative or a sign that I'm more unstable or something. So I was thinking, it's like, what is some like, what is some kind of like badass like movie phrase I can kind of, uh, I can skew in a like multidisciplinary generalist sort of way that would, uh, that would make me kind of, uh, uh that would make me appeal to a, uh, you know, cause I, I don't feel like it's really a negative. Um, it's. Uh, it's been beneficial to me and has allowed me opportunities to um, pursue other things. It's not going too hard into one thing. And granted, I would have liked to be been able to be like a uh, football player or something, but the environment and like uh, my genetics didn't uh, <laughs> point out that I, I would be able to. So. I was thinking about these, like, what could I use as kind of like a badass movie quote and um, and skew it in the way of like a uh, generalist sort of way? So it's like I'm doing a uh, a job interview, and lo and behold, the uh, the um, guy who's interviewing me, who was like. You know, it was, it was almost like a borderline uh, interrogation. Um, uh, but he was thorough. I mean, what uh, what could I say? So, um, you know, he brings up, oh, you got a lot of uh, 
a lot of different uh, a lot of different things you've done over over the course of your work career. And so I just kind of lay back and I say, uh, what I do have are a very non particular set of skills, ladies and gentlemen. This is the world according to Kyle podcast. Hey, how's it going, everybody? It's been a minute, but I'm back. We're going to do another pod before we slide into 2023. It is the 31st of December right now. You can find me on your various social media platforms, YouTube, TWA2K, Twitter, Kyloverse, TikTok, Kyloverse, Instagram, Comax86, Reddit, TWA2K. If you have questions for the show, Topics you would like to see me cover? Slide into one of my fantastic DMs and ask away. You can find me in podcast form on iHeartRadio, Spotify, or my private RSS feed, TWA2K, on YouTube also. Now, in video, my second video format uh, podcast I don't know. Can you still call it a podcast if it's in video form? We're still working this shit out, folks. Um, It's going to be a bit. I guess this is a vlog now, but unless you're listening to it on audio, then it's a podcast. I don't know. I'm thinking about these things more deeply than they deserve. I'm about four uh, Crown and Cokes in at 12.30 p.m., on the 31st, like a Canadian trailer park stereotype, trailer park boy stereotype that I am. Uh, <laughs> oh man, that is a, uh, I was a little thick on the crown on that, uh, <laughs> on, on that drink. Uh, we're waiting for the uh, Michigan TCU game to start in a couple hours. I figured I would, uh, I would drop a pod because now i am up to my quota i didn't think i would finish my quota of two podcasts per uh or two podcasts per month for uh 2022 but we had a we had a fucking december to remember and uh i quit my job so that (laughs) that allotted me a lot of free time and you know what uh better off spent um advancing the pod than I was over at my last place as if you tuned into my last podcast I spent a half hour um, informing you of the melodramas that uh, incurred uh, over there but needless to say I'm in a better spot I am starting a new job on uh, in three days uh, on Tuesday and um, I'll make uh, more money per hour and uh, I'll work less for basically the same amount that I made working like 75% of Saturdays with overtime at my last place. So uh, that's called an upgrade. I'm basically making like $4 an hour more than than I am at uh, the place that I was at, and I had a lot more responsibilities there also. So... Let's uh, let's go. Good for me. It took me a little longer to find the job, but um, 
you got to kind of find the right place. I could have settled on a couple of things. A couple of other things fell through. But, you know, ultimately, you got to make yourself open to finding new work in order to get it. And that's what I did, uh, leaving my last job. And um, good things on the horizon. You know, I'm... Uh, and I had multiple... Uh, multiple um, potential jobs that I could have taken. And, uh, you know, I settled on I settled on one, but it's like as comfortable as I am with the concept of uncertainty, I have a really fucking hard time making decisions. Like I can deal with the fact that like, you know, uh, God plays dice, even though the Einstein said there's no such thing as a God if God plays dice. I can deal with the uncertainty of uh, our reality, like of uh, life and death, of what's going to happen and not knowing. But when it comes to fucking making a decision sometimes, I'm just like, you know, uh, weighing all the pros and cons and like... It's really fucking hard for me to uh, make decisions, which you would think is like um, contrary if you're comfortable with uh, with uncertainty and the uncertainty principle and uh, and, and the chaos of uh, randomness and things that can happen in life. Like I would think I'd <laughs> I'd have a lot more easier time making decisions than than I do. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Is that the uh, is that mindset the exception or, or is it the rule? Like uh, I assume if you guys are following me, you're somewhat like science minded and uh, uh, and, and know about like, you know, about the uncertainty principle and about like just not knowing what uh what's going to happen and uh like so what are, what do you think that it, are do you have a hard time making decisions or like is no is knowing about uh knowing about like physical reality is that uh does that um does that make you uh, have the same sort of like uh, indeci- indecisiveness that I have, I <laughs> because uh, yeah, that's a. It's so hard for me to sit down and make decisions. If the if you want, like if you if you're putting a hard timeline on on me to make a decision, then I'm I might just go against it because I don't have enough time to to think about the uh, pros and cons and uh, and weigh it out. Now, um, I credit in a lot of part, like my, um, for the fact that I'm, you know, uh, a little bit sought after in the job market and I'm making, uh, you know, I, I'm making like 25% more than, than I was. And, you know, it's because like, I, I credit the fact that I, uh, and people think I'm the sucker for this, like. When I go to jobs, like I don't just try and coast and I don't just try and like uh, be a cog in the machine. Like I want to take on as much as I can and I want to learn as much as I can from the environment that I'm in. Like 
it's like you're kind of isolated and there's all these different compartments and components uh, of, of a job and uh, staying stuck inside of something is one way to kind of uh, limit your uh, what your job is giving to you because uh, you know so that's why I just always like tr- uh, put a good foot forward and I always have a good work ethic is because like you get more out of uh, out of trying than you do from not trying I think is irrational to to not try uh, you know, you can argue about what you think you're worth and what you're not worth, but if you kind of are always reluctant and pushing back and um, trying to stay complacent, then it's like, uh, you know, what are you getting out of your job? You're just getting a paycheck and it's not helping you advance. Now, a big part of why I, uh, I, I got a big pay bump is because I've um, I've made team lead my last two places that I was at, and that had to do with just willpower and like working hard and not uh, saying no, never saying no, always taking new challenges. Um, uh, if they say, do you want to do this? Say yes and take it as a learning experience. And all those times, all those like things that other people turn down that uh that that helped me become more valuable to them and having two team leads in a row making two team leads in a row and uh is a good sign especially if you don't get like fired from both places which i quit this last place so i mean it so now that i i have a set of uh, I have a non-particular uh, from being a generalist set of skills that um, uh, that employers are valuing now, and it's kind of tipping in that uh, in that direction where specialty is less uh, valued. And one of the big things that I that I make sure to bring up when I'm in a job interview that uh, employers have really liked is the fact that I have. Uh, I, I've done cross training and I've cross trained employees to um, be able to learn multiple jobs, and now that is uh, now that is something which really kind of uh, pushed me uh, above a lot of the other um, a lot of the other interviews that I that uh, or people getting interviewed that uh, they have done, which they they seem to really like the fact that I've. Uh, uh, that I cross trained, and uh, you know that comes from uh, from not from always keeping an open mind, trying to better myself. And uh, if you ever think that what you're not getting paid is fair, then you go in and have a discussion. Like, but you should never be not trying and just trying to coast because that's it's just nonsensical to me. Um, and. Uh, uh, you know, there's a point where you could be getting used, but then you got to stick stick up. But you should never, you should never just be trying to like work, uh, you know, multiple years at a place and still only learning one thing. That's like, uh, that's a failure. <laughs> that's um, that's uh, that's not something you should be proud of. 
Ah, but enough of that. Enough of um, enough of my life. Uh, we got a few. Um, we got a few uh, subjects to touch on. Some pop culture uh, news uh, related stuff that I wanted to touch on before we put a pin in uh, 2022 once and for all. <laughs> um, so first of all, oh, I would be. Uh, Remissed. I have to mark this podcast safe, okay? Uh, TWA2K podcast is marked safe from getting stuffed into a closet by Greta Thunberg. So <laughs> stay, stay safe out there, guys. Um, uh, yeah, just kidding. Um, uh, I don't give a fuck uh, about <laughs> Andrew Tate or his ideology. Um, and, um, you know, it kind of was like, and I'm no, um, like great fan of, uh, Greta Thunberg of like, you know, I get this sense from like liberals where they, they say, oh, you gotta be doing better, but they have no real solutions because the places that are doing the worst for the environment are, uh, are, not willing to change the places that are uh, that are that are producing the most emissions that have the most overpopulation that have the least um, the have less uh, climate standards. Those are the places that are the reason that we're in a catastrophe. Uh, and um, so, what are your solutions? You want to just go to war with the world that's not gonna um, that's not gonna uh, follow uh, what you feel is acceptable uh, climate um, progress? No. Uh, so it's kind, but you know. So I'm not like a great fan of those preachy liberals who don't really have any solutions. Who uh, you know are avoiding answering hard questions about how we get things done? Like, what do you want to do? What do you want us to do? Uh, some uh, entire economies, entire people are dependent on oil, and uh, and and you just want us to cripple them and produce mass poverty and starvation in these places because you feel like we need to make this change. Okay, but that's what you're. Uh, that's what you're in fate. That like that is a byproduct of us going on to uh, fusion energy or solar energy. Is that uh, we're crippling entire economies? So, <clears throat> and those are often the same people who are just like, yes, you know, uh, world poverty is a tragedy, but. Uh, you know, if we did these things, it would create more uh, poverty than is already existent right now and more starvation and more disease and shit like that. But that being said, I mean, Andrew Tate is like, I can deal with a preachy liberal who uh, is might be like a little overzealous and a little bit of an ideologue. I can deal with that. I cannot deal with like rapey fucking uh, douche bros who fucking think uh, who who like, you know, think we lived some sort of like great lives when we were all like, you know, 
and uh, hunter and gatherers like throwing fucking arrows at each other. Like Andrew Tate is just like a uh, <clears throat> he's just a symptom of like kind of like this toxic fucking bro culture that uh, is like you know when women point out this is toxic masculinity he is like the example you can provide that oh yes this actually is a problem so uh, (laughs) so this guy got um, uh, stuffed into a closet when he tried to so he tweets out this um so he's a, so he tweets out this uh, uh, thing like calling out Greta Thunberg at her and says, "Hey, look at all these cars I have and all the emissions that they put out." Effectively, that's what he was saying. I'm not going to quote his exact tweet and talking about his cars and shit. And so he at her. Like, he calls her out and says, hey, (laughs) look at, like, the reason why you're tweeting at her is to piss her off because she's, uh, because she's a, I don't even want to call her an activist. She is an activist, but, like, she just is, um, ultimately at, at its core, she's just saying that climate change is a problem and needs to be addressed, and, now, some of the things she might say and attacking like um, uh, like European and Western cultures aren't doing enough when we're doing the most. And it's the other cult- cultures that are not willing to change. That is a so. But ultimately, it's for the good of the planet. Like she wants the, uh, she, you know, uh, her activism is not. Uh, is not grounded in anything that's selfish or anything. So, uh, and she sees these sorts of things like um, gas-powered uh, supercars and shit like that. You know, they are uh, they are harmful for the environment. And um, so, if you're adding her and saying, "Hey, look at this," so he tweets that. And then she replies to him. It's like, yes, that's very... Please enlighten me more at at uh, smalldickenergy at getalife.com or something. And it was just like the perfect kind of like... Uh, yeah, why would you feel like the need to uh, call someone out like this? If you... If you're just like, well, like, why do you feel that need? Like, why do you, uh, like, if you're just living your life and feeling fine about it, then why is people, uh, why is anybody else's uh, views on you um, hurting you at all? So the fact that you need to um, call out a uh, girl because she is, um, because she's a climate activist and you don't give a fuck about uh, the climate or the world, then, I mean, that says more about uh, the effect she has than uh, than anything. Because you're giving her that um, you're giving her that power and saying that what she does say matters and that it is uh, that it it. it it is harm or harmful to you personally, not, not harmful overall. That you are, uh, you're 
acknowledging the fact that what she says is powerful, right? Now, I think he's like a symptom of a lot bigger of a problem. Like there's a quote, you made me do it sort of um, attitude of these uh, of this like alpha bro culture. Like, um, you know, you made me um, become a right wing extremist and um, you made me do this and you made me uh, you made me embrace this ideology because you're so like that. Like, (laughs) and I think it's a it's a little bit of two things. It's it's that, but among dudes where it's coupled by the um, kind of uh, advancement of uh, women's rights. And um, now women are becoming more aware of their rights and the power that they have and their effect and influence on, on the world. And... Uh, like from an evolutionary perspective, you know, and that, uh, and, and that, uh, you know, love is not a right. Like men do not have a right to be loved by a woman. And I think a lot of these dudes are sitting there single and, um, and, uh, just kind of like empty and hollow. And so they got to look for something to blame, and it's, no, it's not myself. It's not that I'm a uh, I'm a misogynistic piece of shit. It's you know that it's woke culture. <laughs> it's that the people are getting too much rights. That I'm that's the reason why I'm unhappy. Uh, <laughs> I you know I think you gotta look in the mirror on that one. Um, <clears throat> now. There's one aspect of this that uh, I think I think we could change legislatively that that would help and it's um, that would help mitigate the uh, impact of incel culture and create it to be less violent. Now I think the um, legalizing prostitution would help uh, and. It would help detach the stigma. Uh, women could make money that they want to make money. It would not push it underground. And like really, I think <clears throat> a lot of these uh, incels are just, um, they just can't get laid. And the prostitution is illegal where they're from. Like look at Andrew Tate. He moved to Romania because they have they have less lax rape laws. Like, I mean, like sex is probably guiding like you know fifty percent of all men's decisions on like a fucking uh, minute by <laughs> minute by minute basis, and you know we have like such empty and meaningless relationships and. I think like uh, sacrificing your freedom to be in one of them is it's kind of like a uh, it, it's a big sacrifice for men, and a lot of men don't even realize that uh, 
you know, that I think it's like a, a situation of the grass is truly greener on the other side. Like any, uh, even fucking like the, you know, best NBA stars in the world. There's like fucking, you know, women are getting divorced with them. Like, ah, he ain't treating me no good. Like, fuck, like women, <laughs> the, the power that women have is like, uh, is admirable. Oh, <laughs> almost uh, that they that they have over men and you know if men think that they have to just i think you should just um that men who can't get laid i mean you you know you see these videos these guy this guy who takes trip to amsterdam and then they uh you know his you know bachelor party pays for him to lose his virginity like you know it's um I think that would help a lot is like the stigma of like sex work and um, would reduce sex trafficking and shit like that. And it would mitigate the effect that uh, the violent and uh, murderous effect that incels have. And if they have some sort of outlet where they could just pay for sex and... uh, and get on with it and that it's not treated like such a uh like such a crime that uh, and such a um you know such a uh taboo thing that i think that is something we should look at uh to um you know because you're not going to stop it anyways if women want to make money uh doing it they're going to do it. If uh, men want to buy it, they're going to buy it. It would just, it would just prevent the, um, the ensuing criminality of it. And if it's easier to acquire, then, um, then men wouldn't, uh, resort to like violent outlets, you know? That's just my thought uh, on this shit. Now, um, I don't know if you were familiar with the Twitter files. Elon Musk uh, said there was all this, um, all this um, collaborate, all this serious uh, evidence that would indict, um, you know, the left and will prove the left is corrupt. And it turned out to be an absolute uh, nothing burger. And you know, I don't support fully support the left all the time, but getting on board with the right right now is just is just like political and ideological and uh, social suicide. Like they're just leaning into into like just stupid territory right now and i cannot possibly um i can't uh i can't rationalize that it's like uh you know a controversy on the right is this treason and you have a controversy on the left is this anything at all uh, you know, that's kind of where, uh, where we're at right now, uh, <laughs> with, with, um, you know, cause like ultimately the left does play by the rules and mostly like they don't want, they don't want to seem immoral and bad. And sometimes they, uh, 
the problem with Hillary is that she over overdid it and alienated uh, her base. And that's why she didn't get elected is because she alienated just the, the baseline of the demographic of people where she was leaned too much into it. And that was ultimately a lesson that uh, the left learned. But by and large, uh, the left's um, uh, policies are more popular uh, with America. And, uh, and not only that, but like... It seems like the right is just grasping at straws to uh, and hoping one of these things uh, indicts the left like they like they wanted to, because they have no policies and they have no ideology, and but that's in the states. In Canada, I think uh, I think oppositely. Like I think the left is. Um, I think the the. Uh, the right needs uh, the right is like the more rational way to vote in Canada because like you know we look at how we live our lives and it's it is very universal and very um, uh, very very reasonable and healthcare healthcare is not uh, you're not gonna die if you have to have a trip to the hospital stuff like that now. I can't really tell. I don't really tell Americans what they wanted, what what they want to do or should do, right? But uh, I feel like they're they are have been leaning uh, more left uh, in recent um, in recent years. Now, um, I have a quick crypto update. Um, by and large, not much has changed, but I liquidated some of my coins that I felt are not really doing all that much. Um, the coins that I did keep were um, my my uh, my number one holding, which is like 50% of my portfolio, XRP. My number two is Quant. My number three is Casper, and my number four is XDC. That's my bag right now. That's it. I liquidated everything else. Uh, Safe Moon, I liquidated. H Bar, I liquidated. Um, Cross Wallet, I liquidated. And that's it. But I just did it because, uh, you know, I think maybe we might be in for more. Um, bear action and I just wanted to keep the things that if we do have a drop another drop that I would be comfortable buying again and that's true if XRP quant uh, Casper or XDC dropped further I would I would feel comfortable increasing my bags now uh, one of my L's I gotta fucking eat a big L on this one is Safe Moon, uh, and it was almost like the writing was on the wall for Safe Moon. Um, I think Safe Moon fell apart when they uh, fired Papa Cthulhu, and they went away from their initial um, business model and kind of flipped into a completely different direction under uh, John Caroni. 
And like that, I think uh, I think they ignored the tokenomics of it and um, tried to turn it into something it was not. And I could have got out, but I'm stubborn. I'm like I'm a stubborn guy. I want to. Um, I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm reluctant to admit I was wrong about something. And, you know, I didn't know right away that all these issues were happening with SafeMoon and that, uh, you know, they, they fired the, uh, Papa Cthulhu and they were going in this completely different direction away from tokenomics and into, uh, and into utility. Now, I I was worried at the onset, but I just held on. And so, you know, I got in for cheap enough where it isn't like a super L for me, but it is like a, you know, 50% drop. It is what it is. I don't like the direction that the company is going in. I felt like they got away from um, their initial, the, the thing that initially made, made them, uh, made them a, a good token to invest in. So, so that's it. I'll eat the L on a few, uh, on a few of those and a couple of them, they might not even be L's and, um, and, uh, and might pop later, but. I kind of had to pick and choose. These are the those are the four that I'm sticking with. Um, and by the way, folks, please uh, put your shit in uh, cold storage. We never know what's gonna happen. Um, just uh, you know, if you're holding on to a coin, you're probably gonna hold on to it for at least five years, and we don't know what's gonna happen. FTX fucking uh, skyrocketed. They were buying arenas to. They went from buying arenas to uh, like um, getting arrested in the fucking uh, Cayman Islands, <laughs> like it, in like the course of a year. So a lot can happen in a very short period of time if you plan on uh, holding your coins for. A year or longer, they should be in cold cold storage. So, just a little heads up to you folks. You guys got to uh, make sure that uh, you're protecting your assets. Okay? So, good luck out there. Hopefully, this is the end of the... Uh, we're approaching the end of the bear market. And if I had to guess, I would say yes. Because... Bear markets traditionally don't last this long, and uh, like the the past like uh, depressions have been like major or recessions have been there have been major catalysts for for this. World War One, World War Two, uh, the subprime mortgage crisis. Like, are we in that? So, some of that right now or is a lot of this just like panic over covid and we're kind of getting behind it and uh or ahead of it and things are slowly returning to like normal 
I'm more leaning in that direction than like this is a catastrophe and uh, and everything's on fire. So I, but I'm prepared for both scenarios. I'm prepared for if we go up, and I'm prepared if we go down. If we go down, I'm ready to I'm ready to uh, DCA dollar cost average back into my amounts, and that's and and that's how you have to do it. So. Anything that I was not willing to buy, uh, if we go down 50%, I got rid of, liquidated. I needed the extra cash because, uh, you know, I ha- I needed some time to find a job and stuff. So what are you going to do? Uh, there were uh, less than, there were like 5% uh, holdings anyways. Uh, so maybe Safe Moon was a little bit more, but I was absolutely fed up with them. Now, uh, sliding into a little bit of NFL, um, Tua should not play again this year. Um, now, I don't—I didn't think Tua was going to be great, um, and he definitely impressed me in the times that he was healthy and playing. Uh, I don't think he is like some sort of great quarterback he can be a great game manager uh and he still has some weaknesses and he's like really he's he kind of shut my mouth up uh because i thought he was like maybe a lot worse than he was um but all that being said he should not play again this year um three concussions in one year is if you like let's just say he gets another one Four concussions in a less than four month span. I it's like you absolutely have to think about the kid's well being at this time, and you need to tell him is hey Tua, like live to fight another year, not day in this circumstance, but live to fight another year. You have to chill the fuck out right now, and maybe assess some of the reasons that you're getting concussed so much and the holding on to the ball for too long and not getting rid of it when you're in danger. And because you getting uh, knocked out and you having, uh, you getting another concussion and not be, and like you might not be able to play for like your, your career might end. I would say after that second one, that, Wrap it up for the year. You get two concussions in one year, I would wrap it up. Three, goodbye. Just take time to heal yourself and go into next season um, with a better, uh, with your health more in mind. Like extending the play for a couple seconds and the risk that you're taking and having more awareness of the of your pocket and giving getting your and losing right now is better you get a better draft pick and you can have better o-line help so like what are you doing what are you doing you're risking your life to uh win a game in a season where you're probably not going to win the super bowl let's be honest i mean you could you could it's not out of the realm of possibilities but think about the tough 
gritty competition you're going to face and the uh, risk that you're putting your health in to play this much. And I'm not saying this because I'm not a Tua fan. I think that, um, you know, he kind of showed me that, uh, you know, he showed me that I that I was wrong, that uh, um, that he uh, he has the skills to play in the NFL. So it's good. I was proven wrong. That's fine. But I mean, you have to worry about the player more than anything else and he is not going to do any good for his team if he can't play football anymore and like doctors were saying it was malpractice to let him play again after the first concussion and they said the worst thing possible is that he get a second now he's got a third in a calendar year done that's it um I have nothing more to say on that subject. That's just, um, you know, everybody wants to be great and everybody wants to um, excel at what they do. But I just want to make one thing perfectly clear is that you could be the greatest fucking... um, football player or basketball player if you get in a bad situation in a bad in bad circumstances if michael jordan was drafted by the um you know charlotte hornets he would not have won six championships so we have such an emphasis on this whole uh on this whole thing, winning championships and not just recognizing uh, greatness and goodness independent of winning championships. I think that's a... I think that's something we need to uh, reassess because the... Like Trevor Lawrence, for instance. Um, Trevor Lawrence, uh, if he... there There are eight teams that I can count that are one Trevor Lawrence away from being a Super Bowl contender. But he's on the Jags. So, I mean, I can realize, and this was even before, this was even before he started lighting it up. You could see his skill set, his deep passing ability, his, his... analysis of like uh coverage and zone schemes and uh where his leverage where his best leverage is and you like you could see if you give this guy to fucking kyle shanahan the 49ers might be winning a super bowl so a lot of life and this is going back to what i was just talking about earlier is just dumb luck and getting put in the right circumstance. And, and, and like that's why we respect Calvin Johnson as one of the greatest wide receivers that has ever played. Is that we can look at, irrespective of his circumstance, that he was truly a great wide receiver. 
that his circumstance sucked, but for him to put up those great numbers in that sort of circumstance is incredible, is, uh, is monumental. Now, speaking of um, great wide receivers, I know there's only two weeks left in the NFL season, um, but barring anything uh, crazy happening, if like this kind of what's happened now just averages out for the next two games, if I had a vote, Justin Jefferson would be the MVP of this season. Uh, I just think that if Minnesota had, you know, a average wide receiver one in that circumstance, in their same situation, that they would be going that they would be going five hundred. And right now they're like what twelve wins, eleven wins. So, and Mahomes kind of had like an average Mahomes season. It was it was great, but you could argue Hurts or Burrow for sure. And Burrow beat Mahomes, and they're pretty close. And it's not super outstanding. I think Justin Jefferson is the NFL's MVP. He is the most valuable player. I think he he gave the Minnesota Vikings five or six more wins, and there's only two games left. He might get 2,000 yards. I think he only needs 220 yards to get 2,000 yards on the season, which is crazy. These are like we're talking about like Randy Moss, uh, you know, we're talking we're talking about like Terrell Owens, uh, Jerry Rice territory here. Um, he is for sure the MVP of this season, and I don't care whether you say Mahomes. Mahomes lost Tyree Kill. Okay, they're still the number one seed. Yeah, but they're beatable. They're not juggernauts. Uh, Minnesota is only a Super Bowl contender because of him. Because of him. He's just... He's just fucking the greatest wide receiver. I don't... Like... And I love Jamar Chase. I'm a Bengals fan. Jefferson is just fucking amazing. Amazing. And Chase could give him a run for his money. Chase was injured for a little bit there. I think a lot of things go... In favor of Jefferson, I think he has a better situation to produce more numbers because he has a um, because his team isn't so great defensively, and they have to air it out more, and they're in more close games where he's getting he's getting work for all four quarters. So there's a little bit of. Um, uh, there's a little bit of circumstance going into why Justin Jefferson is able to uh, produce uh, such incredible numbers. But he's also followed through on it incredibly, and you cannot knock him for it. He is the MVP of the NFL right now, and I 
D G A F what anybody else has to fucking say about the issue. Uh, uh, now let's finish off with uh, with one final um, with one final topic before we before we pack it in for the new year. Now my plan for twenty twenty three is. I am going to go uh, over all of my past 37 episodes and I'm going to create a greatest hits uh, compilation uh, it's for two reasons to like help introduce people to the show to uh, go through my work and kind of for me to analyze what I like the best and like um to be able to have some sort of like condensed um, condensed um, video uh, or highlights for me to show like other shows um, if they like because there's always opportunities popping up, always people looking for um, co-host and stuff like that, and. Um, so if I figured I'm gonna put a um, uh, a one greatest hits of like my top thirty set of my thirty seven episodes, one's gonna be like on the world and news stuff, and another greatest hits is gonna be on uh, on sports. So I think that's what I'm gonna do for the month of January, and then um, I think I'm gonna go one. Uh, I'm going to do the same thing as I did this year, two episodes per month and going to kind of look into get into a good groove and get into a one per week, uh, routine for next year. Now, if it happens this year and I'm going good and the flow is going good, um, and everything, then we'll get into a one per week this year. Ultimately, I wanted to get to 100 episodes, and I don't care about the views or the likes or whatever. I just want to get to 100 episodes. So I could get pretty close there if I did one episode per week uh, for 2023, but I also don't want to um, you know, bite off more than I can chew and go too fast while I'm not like refining um, my style. So... January of 2023, I'm going to uh, go over all of my work and uh, cut a greatest hits compilation for news and sports. And so February, we'll be going back at it uh, two per month until I feel like I'm good to go uh, one per week. All right. So uh, the last subject that I wanted to bring up. Um, and I've seen this brought up is the homelessness issue. Now, I feel like a lot of people uh, talk about it and how to solve this. And um, I want to bring a real solution because I'm a solutions guy. I hate people who just fucking complain about shit and they don't talk about how it can be solved. Now, 
I feel like I have the best possible solution for uh, in order to um, fix this. Now, you know, I I've eaten my fair share of shit sandwiches and have been in bad situations and my will has been able to overcome this and I've been able to do what I need to do to get out of it. But a couple uh, cards dealt in the right direct or in the wrong direction would have really fucked up my ability to do this. And I view sometimes uh, people are to blame for their own um, for their own demise. Other times, the people around them and their environment plays a large role. Now, what I feel is the best way to do to um, to create the best possible solution on both sides. Like some people probably genuinely just want to not work and get change and um, and, and you know whatever they got to do but a lot of people are displaced because they you know don't have family support don't have environment support uh don't uh, got into bad circumstances health problems what what we need to do to help um to help stamp out homelessness is you need to create uh, a government program where you get people on their feet now this is a government program where it would effectively be uh kind of like a halfway house except you would provide um um counseling and mental health services on top of being a um uh kind of a place where people can live um they would live for free there, but the idea is to uh, provide them with the resources to get them on their feet and get them living independently. Like it would be, you know, a building where, say, you know, uh, I'm homeless and, you know, I, you know, I just don't have nowhere to go. And it's like, yeah, I want to, you know, I want to work and I want to do this, but. I got a criminal charge, and so you would go into this, you know, this house. It's uh, or a uh, complex, a building complex, and you know they would just make sure that you do the right things, and you sign a contract with them saying you'll stay here for um, six months and uh, follow their program. And by the end of the program, the idea is to get you out moving, living on your own, uh, working and, um, and, uh, being, you know, uh, uh, self-sustaining. Cause I feel like a lot of people, especially in Toronto, so hard to find places and like you can live in a fucking crack house and they still want you to have like a, like a 600, uh, credit rating. Like it's ridiculous. So I think that 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 is the issue and i know my friends on the right aren't gonna say oh hey more government funding and but i think if we do this right if we do this the right way that that um this will be a lot more of a benefit to society than a detriment and it would uh people just 
I just sympathize with the fact that people can be dealt a shit hand in life and that their uh, their downfall is not necessarily their own uh, their own doing that uh, a lot of it is trusting other people too much being too dependent on um, certain relationships stuff like that like I just recognize the fact that people can um, people can be dealt a shit hand in life and uh, and end up on the street because of it and I think that if we if we have some sort of program that whose idea is to reform and get get homeless people being productive members of society that way the people who want to stay homeless can stay homeless and they don't want to pay rent and they want to live off the street and they want to live off change from others and get high fine they're allowed to do that but people who have perhaps been uh in a disposition can uh have an option to get out because i think that's all people want all some people want is just an option to get out and uh and live a normal life that's just my that's just my two cents did i fix homelessness i don't know but uh it's certainly a better fucking idea than anything else we've been uh putting forward so um everybody have a have a great new year uh happy new year uh Looking back, it's been uh, crazy. This has been uh, two years of doing this. Um, here's to two more. Ladies and gentlemen, that was the world according to Kyle podcast. See y'all in 2023.